Welcome to the Rush Hour. Your daily dose of pop culture and entertainment news for your Rush Hour ride. Work sucks, but your commute doesn't have to. Buckle up and enjoy the drive with your host, stand-up comedian and power recapper, Dave Neal. Hello, everybody. It's Dave Neal, and it's Hump Day, a.k.a. Deposition Day. It's the afternoon rush, baby. January 17th, Wednesday, 2024. Recording from my mobile studio setup here in Arkansas. That's right. I was. Uh, this is my second attempt at recording. The housekeeping just walked in on me. They probably thought I was some sort of like FBI surveillance team when they looked at all of the gear that I have. They're like, why is this FBI agent wearing flannel? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, with no pants on. But either way, here we are. I've got some updates for you. Rachel Lindsay was on Deandra Canoe's podcast. We'll share that. I've also got a crazy uh, fake pregnancy story out of Canada. That's right. An Ontario woman who faked pregnancies harassed doulas facing sentencing hearing today. Absolutely wild story. An update on the Clayton Eckerd story and some other entertainment news, including royalty that are hospitalized. It's Kate Middleton and Pierce Brosnan. Speaking of the uh, British uh, <laughs> is in the news as well. Plus, we've got some more Emmys content. We're going to get to it all right now. All right. I'll tell you what. Where do we even begin? Sully. Remember Sully, the pilot, his miracle on the Hudson? Safety advice was not carried out. We're just finding out. This is actually a seven-year-old or eight-year-old article here, but someone just shared this, that um, in the years since the airline captain saved 155 lives by ditching his crippled airliner in the Hudson River, there's been enough time to write a book and make a movie, but apparently not enough to carry out most of the safety recommendations stemming from the accident. Of the 35 recommendations made by the National Transportation Safety Board in response to the incident involving U.S. Airways Flight 1549. Only six have been heeded, according to an associate press review of board records. So yeah, basically what they're saying is we've got a lot of rules in place during accidents and nobody followed the rules. You know, I'm sure people are not attaching the you know flotation device the right way, but it's like, look, no offense. I mean, by all means, it was a miracle on the Hudson, but you know, the thing didn't just sink to the ground they all kind of hung out on the wing you know like the, the the most dangerous part about landing on the hudson is that you got uh, water from the hudson river on you like that's way more dangerous than the crash if you ask me well very interesting yesterday's youtube video sharing the this rachel Lindsay story about flightiness bachelorette star rachel Lindsay's flightiness led to brian abasolo filing for divorce actually became one of my number one videos you just never know what people want to hear about well, I've got a clip from a podcast that aired yesterday with Rachel Lindsay, but here's the deal. Uh, Rachel Lindsay, when she was on this show, was asked if she could promote a movie she's in, and she actually said, um, I can't promote it due to the SAG strike, and I go, oh no, the SAG strike ended November 9th, so that leads me to believe that this interview actually took place uh, before November 9th, in which case this would would have been one of the last interviews that Rachel Lindsay did before her husband was filing for divorce. So either A, she knew they were going through a divorce, or B, she was blindsided. In this interview, she mentions Brian multiple times. I'll probably have this full video up on the YouTube channel tomorrow. I'm still going through it, but I thought I would share a clip with you. Have a listen to Rachel Lindsay on Deandra's podcast. You can go check it out on her YouTube channel, Deandra Canoe. Have a listen. 
but do have a little bit more respect for that. That's how I moved into entertainment, because those opportunities were more available to me. And I thought, and then I can you know, weave in sports or law or, or politics, whatever it may be, in with that. So I think that sometimes take the no as a reset. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can pivot into something else. Or maybe you just shift a little bit. That's just how business is in general. I hear that. I think for a lot of young listeners, whenever I listen to podcasts and I hear people say, you know, one no doesn't mean they should turn away. Like, you know, you want to face 100 no's. That's a good thing. You should face 100 no's because it's the 101th person that you ask that says yes. But to me, it's frustrating because I'm like, I want you to get granular. How did you face that? How were you working a full-time job and then also chasing your dreams? Mm -hmm. What did that look like for you financially? Were you sleeping on a friend's couch? Did you have to sacrifice certain things? And if yeah. you don't mind me asking, I really want to understand and I want the listeners to understand the technicalities of it. So you were practicing as an attorney full-time. Great you question. Job? Were you still practicing? Did you live off of the savings? Were you, you obviously said you dipped yeah. into your personal budget to fly places. Can you explain the situation where you were in your life, how you were able to do that? Yeah. When people tell me that I'm a like, oh, you took these, a risk, you know, you left legal and you went to entertainment. I'm not as much of a risk taker as people think. That's why I kept practicing law. I wanted to still get a full paycheck and then be able to do what I wanted to in my free time. And so, yes, there's, I wasn't sacrificing financially, but I mean, I guess I was by dipping into my own personal budget to fly myself out and put myself up. But I had that and I had a foundation and I felt solid. And I knew I could always come back to it. So I wasn't like going in 100%. But what I did sacrifice was my well-being, a little bit of my health, because I had no time, even my relationship, because I was with Brian at that time. I had no time for anything. Every minute was a hustle for me. And, and so here she is kind of describing, and I hate to use the term, floodiness where it does take a lot to pursue your dreams. It takes a ton of sacrifice. I always look back um, in the pursuit of my dreams with so much uh, gratitude that my wife was patient to let me uh, really explore all of the avenues I needed to, to explore. You know, working minimum wage jobs on the side, doing open mics at night, creating content during my lunch breaks. Like it really, when you are pursuing your dreams, you do have to work you know, in most cases, a full-time job, one of which is unpaid, your dreams, and one of which is paid. That, that to me, is the safest way to do it. Now, I always say, leap in the net will appear. That's one of my favorite mantras, leap in the net will appear. And that idea being, when you actually put your mind to something, the law of attraction will conspire to give you the results that will provide for you. That doesn't always mean the results you think you are going to get. So in hindsight, I'm sure Rachel will look back on these moments and and see that, um, you know, she leapt, she tried new things, she quit her job. And while she doesn't really want to give herself too much credit by saying, well, I still have the job while I did all these other things, she still left a very steady income. You know, being a lawyer, I'm sure, is a very steady income when you're at a law firm and this and that. She left that to pursue the unknown. That unknown has led to new and great opportunities, but maybe some instability for her relationship. You know, there's always an opportunity cost for the right 
right guy, maybe he would be there to support her, but maybe the turbulence that Brian Abasolo faces within his own community, uh, you know, and by community, I mean his job as a chiropractor and in the world he lives in, maybe there was too much instability for both of them. You know, it's kind of tough for two people in a relationship to both be in instability. You know, you kind of need some bedrock there. But again, every couple is different. What's interesting, like I said, is we're looking at this podcast through a different lens. And again, I'm going to acknowledge it and study it a little bit more, but we're looking through it with a different lens because I believe this was recorded before they broke up. I could be wrong. I just don't understand when she mentions, um, you know, later on in the podcast that there was a SAG strike. I could be wrong, but it, it appears as though um, uh, uh, that uh, this was when she thought maybe her relationship was better. And, you know, when a relationship ends, usually, I, I'm not saying there's delusion, uh, but usually one side thinks they can fix it. And I wonder if Rachel, and again, I, I truthfully don't know, but I wonder if she took Brian for granted and was like, he's here, I'll go do my thing. And Brian might have said, well, I want a family. And when they're not, um, you know, literally doing the the, the dirty, the things you got to do to have the family, because they're not in the same city, the same bed, you know, as it were, metaphorically and physically, um, you know, it, it you, you know, time is a ticking. Uh, and again, that is not placing blame on Rachel. It is a wicked thing to try to make it in this industry. What's interesting to me, though, right now is I don't understand how they didn't have time to make it work. Uh, and again, by all means, Brian, you know, says he works all day and this and that. But she got rid of her job at Extra, so she's just doing a podcast a couple days a week. Again, I'm a I'm a hardworking guy. I make three videos and three and two podcasts a day, and I make plenty of time for my family. So I don't know what dynamic was missing there, but either way, wishing her the best in whatever is next for her. Maybe there's a better opportunity, both professionally and personally, around the corner. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get back to some more entertainment news right after this. Here's what I love so much about my content creator community is that people have each other's back, which is why I was so upset when Nick Vial wasn't going to support Clayton Eckerd. I wasn't upset that he wasn't supporting me. I was upset that he wouldn't mention Clayton's name or GoFundMe and all the issues when it mattered. Well, now since he's deleted me from the conversation, here's what She's All Batch has to say. And let me tell you something. These badass broads at She's All Batch are not to be messed with. I respect independent podcasts that survive and thrive in the bachelor community so much because they don't come from a following. They get their podcast off the ground because of the grit, balls, and determination that they have, and most importantly, the skill. And here they are eviscerating this conversation about the deleting of Dave <laughs> from the Clayton conversation. Have a listen didn't realize. So like, not trying to promote Nick here, but I would say this is very much worth a listen. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because in the interview, it seems as though Nick purposely edited out 
Dave Neal's name. So if you guys don't know, Dave Neal has done so much work to help get Clayton's story out there. He started this GoFundMe. He just has done so much. Um, Also, the girl is now suing Dave Neal. Which is crazy how he's gotten himself so involved in this. Quote, unquote, baby mama. If, uh, you know, she's not really. Well, she's saying that she's not pregnant anymore. There's a whole, there's so many layers to the story, guys. Just like, go look it up. But Dave Neal really did so much for Clayton and for this whole story. Mm -hmm. And when Clayton is asked about it, he talks about it. And there's a clear edit. Mm. It's obvious. I'm actually, I have the actual clip, but you can see it better visually because, you know, it's tight on Clayton. And then when it cuts, it pulls away. You have to see it for yourself. Obviously, like, Nick has done a lot of things and there are reasons why, like, we don't really like him that much. But one (laughs) thing that I just think is the most, like, low annoying thing that he does is that he refuses to promote smaller podcasters like Dave Neal or like there have been other situations with Game of Roses where he also like refuses to discuss them or dances around it or whatever and it's just like dude you're already on the top why can't you just like be nice to us little guys I don't understand why he feels like it's so threatening to him and is it maybe because he feels like he has like he has a leg up he has the connections to ABC that he just like wants to keep us down. I don't get it. Well, I'll tell you. And by the way, go listen to that full episode. She's All Batch does a fantastic job. I absolutely have such a podcast crush on them. Stephanie and Jackie, we love them. One day I'll do a live show with them. One, a boy can dream. One day we'll get out there. Either way, they, they had a very good interview with Peter Krause. Am I pronouncing that right? From Rachel Lindsay's season. And they're just good. They're great. They're great at fangirling on the show, but they're also critical and have a great eye. But yeah, I mean, they say, look, Nick's on top. Why does he feel this fear about others? And it's like, look, I don't know if Nick would ever admit this, but some people, you know, when we talk about privilege, which again, I can talk about, I've got privilege. I'm a white guy, right? We can talk about it. But when we talk about privilege, it comes in different forms. Nick's privilege is that he started on third base and thinks he hit a triple. It's like, no offense to Nick, but he's not extremely good at what he does. He's just, you know, got a gigantic following from being a mainstay on a dating reality show. And because of that, he, of course, I've given him credit more than anyone has spun it all into the direction that it's gone into. He's good with business, but let's not pretend like he's Barbara Walters over there doing his interviews. You know what I mean? Uh, Some people can just stumble up the ladder. And that's what I feel like happened there versus people like She's All Batch, who started with no following and worked their way up because audiences said, you know what? I like these broads. And I call them that with affection because I'm friends with them. (laughs) Broads and bros. Uh, She's All Batch and Dave Neal joining together for Broads and Bros. Let's do a weekly episode where we just talk gender issues. (laughs) Wouldn't that be fun? Either way. Um, any amount of uh, sadness that might come from being uh, maliciously deleted from a podcast episode is overcome by joy from those like She's All Batch and Reality Steve who have had my back. There's other podcasters 
in the bachelor world that I consider my friends and I consider them really close to me. And I mean, in some cases, look, I'd be lying if I didn't say that their silence is deafening. Some people just don't want to get into beef like this. And some people see it in um, some, I guess, I guess I could just say some are more justice oriented than others. And for some people it's like out of sight, out of mind. Uh, but I like to call it out. Uh, and I have in the past when it's happened to game of roses. And again, I'm not, I'm not blaming them. I'm, this isn't about them. But of course, I've gotten dozens of messages privately from people, but then publicly, they're still sort of playing that game. I don't like the game. No need for you guys to call it out. Uh, by the way, I'm sharing the Clayton Eckerd paternity scandal fully on my TikTok and Instagram. Uh, and it's probably gonna be like a 50 part series. But if you want to go support me over there, it'll help get the story out to new audiences. All right. And another sad story, Rust, remember that movie where sad Sadly, the cinematographer was killed because there was a live bullet in the chamber of a gun. The armorer, the person in charge of the guns on set, allegedly offered leniency if she explained real bullet. The armor that's being prosecuted in the Rust criminal case was reportedly offered an ultimatum of sorts. Tell us how a real bullet made its way on set or face more charges. Variety cites emails that it says it's viewed, which were supposedly sent to Hannah Gutierrez-Reed's legal team back in September from special prosecutor prosecutor Carrie Morrissey, who's heading up the case. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. I mean, I've worked on set before where I've used guns and I always thought it was insane how preventative the measures were. There's always an armorer on set. They always hand you the gun. They, they'll open the gun and show you the chamber of the gun to show you there's nothing in there. They'll walk you through all these things. So when this case actually happened, I was just shocked that a live bullet or, or whatever it was went off in the way that it did. And um, it's just a really sad story. And for all for all the reasons why Alec Baldwin, you know, he's, he's, he goes on tirades, he yells at people, whatever, but it's like, he didn't need the blood on his hands for the tragedy that happened there. It'll be interesting to see how that story plays out. All right. Well, I've got a few more stories to get to. Here's a quick one we'll do before the break. Pierce Brosnan says he didn't take the road less traveled. All right. I get the, I get the Henry David Thoreau, uh, 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 homage there. But he says he pleads not guilty to hiking charges. Yeah, you can't hike in uh, a lot of places. Pierce Brosnan's not caving to the federal government, fighting two charges. He hiked into a restricted area at Yellowstone National Park. The actor entered a not guilty plea for two illegal hiking charges on January 4th after he was cited for allegedly wandering into a delicate hot springs in the park of Wyoming. By the way, Pierce Brosnan, my absolute favorite James Bond, also very underrated in the hit movie Mrs. Doubtfire. Remember that? A, dry, a walk by fruiting or drive by fruiting, whatever the hell it was. He played the, uh, oh man, what a great character. The judge granted uh, Pierce Brosnan's request to cancel his initial court appearance and set up a virtual conference for February 20th. As previously reported, authorities cited 007 last month for allegedly going off trail near Mammoth Hot Springs. All right, either way, uh, you know, why is that in the news? I don't know, but I'll finish this up with some other content right after a break. You might know that I'm a big advocate for the middle class and hardworking people and unions and all of that. Well, here's a very an interesting example of a man explaining how corporations work. Now, hold on. It's actually really interesting. He's a Yale University professor named Richard Wolf. Have a listen to him explaining why corporations can be bad. I've always said they're pretty psychotic in the way they handle things. Like they don't care about your best interest. All corporations are just milking the system to provide for their shareholders. But who the hell are shareholders anyway? Here's what he says. 
No, you didn't. He just ripped people off. The way most corporations work is four times a year, they take the profits they've made in the preceding three months, and they distribute a portion of them to their shareholders. These distributions are called dividends. If you own a lot of shares, say because you inherited them from your grandma, or you stole money and bought them on the stock market, there are lots of ways of getting them. But if you have them, four times a year, you go to your mailbox in the morning and you get an envelope and you tear it open and inside is a check for your share of the profits that have been distributed to shareholders. For rich people, this is millions of dollars. They have all that money. What did they do exactly to earn that money? Nothing. Those people are going to tell me they earned? Earned what? Did they ever set foot in the factory? No. Do they have any idea what this company does? No. They don't care. They are simply sitting there collecting. Well, let's now do a little logic. If there are people like shareholders who get a lot of goods and services they didn't help produce, then there must be elsewhere in that system people who produce what they do not get. That means, if we allow that, that we are saying, some people, your job is to produce a lot more than you get so that these people can get a lot more than they produce. For Marx, he stands up and says, I rest my case. Okay, so obviously th there's more nuance to it, you know, like shareholders or at least early investors help a company get off the ground. So it's good that they have their money and they get a return on investment. Absolutely. But I think the point is, is that when we have these uh, CEOs like Bob Iger, who's making $30 million a year for Disney, we start to wonder, is that guy that much more important than the guy who puts the Mickey Mouse hat on? I mean, that much more important. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, just we live in a society where we have a lot of people that will say no that guy deserves it blah 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 but it's like most of us are just sitting in the middle class watching the rich get richer and the poor get poor very interesting all right we're gonna wrap it up with this wild story i cover this on today's youtube channel which by the way if you want to go to the youtube channel i'm gonna blow your socks off with more developments i also covered it on today's patreon patreon.com slash dave neal where you can see more developments with the twisted taunting that was going on by Jane Doe, where she actually possibly followed one of her victims to Sedona, Arizona, uh, or at least claims she went there to, I guess, taunt him. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it, uh, but uh, don't take my word for it. Go to my YouTube, run or to the Patreon and watch that for yourself. Well, in other news, there's a very similar story happening right now in Ontario, Canada. Ontario woman who faked pregnancies, harassed doulas, faces sentencing hearing today. So I'm not going to share this all with you. I covered it in, in that same YouTube video, but her name's Caitlin Braun, and she's pleading guilty to 21 charges. She's actually been in jail for taking advantage of doulas who uh, she uh, apparently she uh, falsified pregnancies and stillbirths, and doulas will help give massages uh, while you're pregnant, but also after a stillbirth, they're kind of there to comfort you. And to think that she took advantage of people whose main job is a caretaker to comfort is just very sad. And as I've met, said over and over, most people don't lie. Most people tell the truth. But out there, a small percentage of people take advantage of good humans. 
So a doula is a trained professional who provides support to clients before, during, and shortly after childbirth. They also help with grief and trauma around pregnancy loss, but they're not healthcare professionals who deliver babies. So the fact that she, I guess, lied to them, the doulas have an association and they say there's a severe impact on them, not believing future uh, pregnant women and so many other issues that come from the misuse and the lying and the fraud that happens here. Will Jane Doe face similar consequences? Well, she's entering a deposition today. I will be the first to let you guys know what goes down with that when I hear about it. Uh, will she actually show up? I'll be sharing any and all updates on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dave Neal. We're going to for sure have a ton of updates tomorrow morning. So make sure you stick around for that episode because it's about to get a little nutty. We did see that Clayton Eckerd, uh, his court case actually did uh, it, it is moving forward. And there's a trial date set for something like February 24th or 27th. So it looks like this case might be going to trial. Yes, the trial or at least evidentiary hearing is scheduled for February 27th. That is several weeks after she's suing me for harassment. We'll see if she's too busy with that. Maybe she'll drop her lawsuit against me. Not that the damage isn't already done. All right, folks. Well, that's your update. All your Bachelor and Entertainment News in one place. Until next time, I'm Dave Neal, and this was The Bachelor Rush Hour. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you didn't, don't. Join the free Facebook group, Dave Neal's Community. Got cash? Become a premium member at patreon.com slash Dave Neal. Link in the description below. And don't forget to follow Dave on Instagram at dneals for upcoming stand-up shows. See you tomorrow on The Rush.